About 350 years ago, a shipload of travelers landed on the northeast coast of America, and the first year they established a town site. The second year they elected a town government. The third year the town government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. In the fourth year, the people tried to impeach their town government because they thought it was a wasteful use of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the woods. I mean, who needs to go out there anyway? Here were people who had the vision to see 3,000 miles across the ocean to overcome great hardships to get there. But in just a few years, they were not able to see even five miles out of town. They had lost their pioneering vision. With a clear vision of what we can become in Christ, no ocean of difficulty is too great. But without it, we can rarely move beyond our current boundaries. Christian researcher and author George Barna says this, Vision is the ability to understand the history, the present condition, and the potential of the church, and to conceive a plan for action that will maximize the ministry potential. More often than not, vision is a result of having spent much time absorbing the facts about the community, knowing the resources upon which the church can call, the people, the funding, the facilities, the equipment, and devising sound but creative strategies for moving forward. Vision always entails progress. It's never satisfied with the status quo. Today, this church is ripe with potential. During the last few years, the Lord has carried us as a shepherd through thousands of proverbial miles of difficult terrain and uncharted waters. Through the pandemic, the, the parsonage sale that, that took place earlier this year, and the disaffiliation from the denomination, God saw fit to glorify himself in this church. So the question now is this. After all these things, where is God leading us today? What is the vision for ministry in Rosewood Church? We're going to explore this question through the lens of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah lived during the reign of uh, the Persian king uh, Artaxerxes, and he was living around 450 BC. And the Bible tells us in Nehemiah chapter 1 that he was the cupbearer for the king. One day, Nehemiah's brother Hanani came to visit him in the palace, and they talked about the condition of things back home in Judah. Nehemiah learned that the temple in Jerusalem was just in shambles. The gates were burned, the walls torn down, and Nehemiah was moved with grief in his heart, and he cried out to God in prayer. And he says this, Remember the instruction that you gave to your servant Moses, saying that if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants, 
and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man, the king. Now, Nehemiah was a man whose heart was moved by the will of God. He remembered God's words, that God desired that the Israelites be rejoined and reestablished as a people who are faithful to God's word and the law of Moses. Because Nehemiah was knowledgeable of the will of God, and we can tell this because of the prayer he prays, God gives him the vision of what is to be done. Now, the vision for this church will likewise be born from a focus on God's word and seeking God's will. In order to know what we are to do, we need to consider what it is God wants. And we have the answer in many places throughout Scripture, but for the church, it's never more plainly or poignantly expressed than in the Great Commission of Jesus to his disciples that we go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And we find this this great uh, great commission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So here we stand led to this moment by God's grace and goodness, and like Nehemiah, we are convicted by God's words. For him, it was the reunification of Israel and the the Israelites coming from their far-flung lands, returning to God. That was his vision. For us, it is the command to make, baptize, and teach disciples in the understanding that in doing this, Jesus is with us. Nehemiah assessed the situation that he was in, and what he needed to do became clear. He would rebuild that temple in Jerusalem. It would be a beacon to all the Israelites to return, not just to their native land, but also to obedience to God. But here he sits, one man, in a palace in Persia, in the service of the king, A king who, by all historical accounts, was not a monster, but apparently had no qualms about killing people he needed to kill. His reign was started, after all, when a Persian commander killed his father, Xerxes, and then Artaxerxes, in turn, killed that man. So, killing a man was likely his first act as king. Nehemiah knows, though, that if this is to work... He would have to request to go to Jerusalem, leaving the service of the king and starting this project himself. He understands this this might be seen as an affront to Artaxerxes. I mean, just think about it for a second. He's essentially asking to go home and to refortify his homeland, to build those tall and mighty walls of the temple once again. This isn't necessarily a a thing that a king might be real excited about. So just think about that. The, The project itself seems impossible enough, but first it has to be signed off on by the king of Persia. 
This is an amazing example of how God works, though. When the will of God is in the vision, the outcome is set. In fact, God will overcome any obstacle and will do it in such a way that he alone gets the glory. Proverbs 37.5 tells us to commit our ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he will be our help. He's the power we need, not our own. So acting in the conviction of his faith, Nehemiah makes his request to the king and queen that he be given leave to travel to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple there. Artaxerxes responds by asking, Nehemiah, how long do you want to take? How much time do you need? And he sent Nehemiah with a letter with the king's seal, ensuring that he would be unharmed on his journey. He gave him a a battalion of soldiers to go with him and take care of him. And he said, you won't go on your own, but you will go, Nehemiah, as my governor in the region so that you have all the authority that you need to carry out this plan. I mean, wow, what happened here? God rewarded the faithful action of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, by his knowledge of Scripture, understood the will of God in this situation. In fact, he took the bold move to put everything on the line and ask the king for leave to go. And God moves the heart of this conquering pagan king to meet the request and provide abundantly more. Friends, we know the will of God for this church. We know the will of God for the church in general. We know that it is God's plan that we would boldly move into the world around us, seeking to make, baptize, and train disciples. Like Nehemiah, we have no assurance of how it will go, what the steps will be. We step out on faith, and we see God work in our faithfulness. And we are, rest, we, are, we are assured that the same God who moved the heart of that king is working in the lives and hearts of our neighbors right now. By God's grace, he is uh, convicting them of their need of a savior. And God is saying to us, step out, be bold, try me, try me, make the bold move. See how I will glorify myself in your faithfulness. He did not move us through all the events of the past several years to then be shrinking from the calling he's putting upon us. We are ready for this moment. We are made for this moment. We bring no power or capacity of our own. But by the bold action of our faith, God will move mountains in our midst. Pray with me now. Heavenly Father, we desire as a church to take hold of the vision you have for us and pray that you would lead and guide us to take a collective step of faith in the direction that you would have us go. Help us as we pray to to grasp the church vision that you have for us and may we be sensitive to your leading and guidance. Prevent us from seeking to implement our own inferior ideas or substitute our man-made notion for your plans and purposes. 
In this, draw us closer to each other and to you as we seek your face together in prayer. May we be strengthened in the inner person, united together in the unity of the faith, and prompted to carry out your plans and purposes to your greater glory. We pray this as a church in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we'll continue this discussion on vision next week, continuing in the book of Jeremiah. But until then, have a wonderful and blessed week.